Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified, the show where we ask the sort of hard questions. I'm Ryan. And I'm Emily. Let's talk about a story that's full of Bolshevik. Um, This week, we are going to be talking about a dude who played a really big part in the Bolshevik Revolution and the downfall of Imperius imperialist Russia in the late late 19-teens. He didn't actually make any of the decisions that led to the revolution, but a lot of people thought that he did, and they got real, real upset about it. His presence in the royal court was a huge point of anger for a lot of Russia during that uh, point in time. Uh, he's lean. He's not as mean as you thought. He's got a killer beard. It's Grigory Rasputin. La 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 la. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to play a little game uh, just to start things off called Truth or Bolshevik. There are a lot of things about Rasputin's life that have been greatly fictionalized, and I think we should kind of outline what we're going to be addressing, but we're going to make it fun. Yeah. um, I'm going to ask Ryan if she (laughs) thinks that facts about Rasputin's life are the truth or complete and utter Bolshevik. And you can guess along, too. This is a game for everybody. (laughs) Just shout it out on your morning commute. Yeah. (laughs) In your office, wherever you're listening to this. Get involved. All right, so first, Rasputin owned a tiny white bat. Well, he did in the movie, so I think that has to be true. Because Anastasia was super factually accurate. Obviously. It's Bolshevik. Oh, damn. Um, Rasputin's penis is allegedly on display at an erotica museum in Russia. I hope so, because I really want to go see it. It's true. We have a trip to make. (laughs) Allegedly, but we'll get to that later. Um, Truth or Bolshevik, he was having an affair with the Tsarina of Russia. Um, I'm going to say Bolshevik. I think that he'd be a little bit smarter than that. That's right. Well, maybe, actually. Um, There's a big debate about whether or not that was the case. I personally don't think so, but again, we're going to get into that later. And finally, he had a huge grudge against the royal family of Russia. Well, they did kind of screw him over. Complete Bolshevik. Huh. Yeah, they were super tight. All right, so now that we've kind of covered parts of his life that were super fictionalized for songs movies the likes you know which song i'm talking about (laughs) nope can't do it copyright issues copyright (laughs) all right so now that we've confused the out of everybody uh we can move on with actual facts yeah so obviously rasputin has been the subject of documentaries movies songs cartoons and in almost all of these accounts the details of his life have been extremely fictionalized There's a lot to cover, so we're going to spend this episode talking about some of the events of his life, as well as the timeline regarding his death, and then we'll go on and we'll talk even more about just how he died, or in a lot of cases, managed not to die. Because that's kind of what he's famous for, is the fact that it took this man forever to die. (laughs) He's known as the man that can't die. Is he really? Ah, that's what I've always known him for. Whenever anyone ever mentioned him in my head, it was uh, just that crazy dude that doesn't die. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know about all that until a little while ago. I was mostly just familiar with the singing version voiced by Christopher Lloyd. Well, there's that too, but... I do know about that now. Yes. I would hope so, um, for doing an so episode. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to get to history first, science later, 
Everybody get your pens, paper out, take some notes. <laughs> uh, just so you know, if you guys want to see some photos associated with this, we're going to put a lot of reference on our website. So uh, just know that if you do look that up, some of the content might be sensitive. So just be aware of that. Let's start with his life. So Grigory Rasputin was born in Siberia in the late 1900s, um, 1969, 1869. So late 1800s. 1800s. He was known for how intense his eyes were, also how greasy his hair was, and how he had a tendency to smell. So Rasputin. Or Rasputin. Either way, <laughs> um, he came from a peasant status, as did most people in that area at the time. In 1887, he married a lady named Maria, and they had seven children. Only three of them actually lived past early childhood. Oh, that's really sad. It was Siberia in the late 1800s. I mean, it's sensical. Like, you almost had to have seven kids just because... Most of them would die. Yeah. <laughs> like goldfish. <laughs> or sea monkeys. He went off on a pilgrimage in 1892 and came back with a really intense, renewed faith. And that's about when he started traveling and acting as a man of God who provided counseling and healing. Uh, in 1906, he met the Tsar of Russia, Nicholas II, and his wife, Alexandra. Their son, Alexei, was the heir to the Romanov throne, uh, and the kid was a hemophiliac. So that just basically meant that his blood didn't clot properly, so even a really small bruise or cut could cause him to bleed out, essentially. So it was a really dangerous disease. Still is. It was kept a secret from the general public, though, uh, and that did end up causing a lot of problems. Rasputin was called on to try and heal Alexei after he suffered from a really serious injury, and he actually succeeded. It varies a lot regarding how he actually did cure Alexei. Some people say that it was prayer. Uh, that's what the Tsarina says also. That was her account. Others think that he demanded that Alexei not be given any medications which at the time would have included aspirin, which is a known blood thinner now. So that could be a very potential. Well, and the aspirin could have make, been making it worse. Exactly. So that that's a big one. Also, another one is that he simply spoke to the boy and was able to calm him down. And in doing so, the kid's blood pressure would have been lowered and that would have reduced the bleeding. I, sorry, I've been sitting here for the last couple of minutes when you were teaching us things, um, singing hemophiliac to the tune of... That song from Flashdance. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I can see it. Uh-huh. Took me a minute, but... Um, oh, man, we're going to have to do a spoof of that song or something. Like, actually make the song. we got to record it and I'm do good. it. I'm good. Um, we're going to do it. I'm good doing the stand-up and the podcast. I don't really need a music career. <laughs> About Alexi, the Zarina's son. So. Is there a Rasputin musical? Because I feel like that's an untapped goldmine. There should be. I know. Ideas, people. Get on this. In any case, once he healed Alexei, Rasputin was in really good with the royal family. Alexandra in particular, who apparently wouldn't so much as sneeze without asking his opinion on it first. Which is mean, but it did leave a lot of people to think that she was having an affair with Rasputin. Um, even people who knew Alexei was sick and knew why Rasputin was in the court didn't think that he was a good dude like they thought that he was manipulating her to gain more power even though he had little to absolutely no power over the politics of russia at the time um, there were also a lot of rumors that he was a member of a religious sect called the clist 
who believed that in order to be closer to God, you had to sin. Uh, Rasputin was not actually a member of this group, but his ideology did seem to borrow very heavily from it. He was known to be a big drinker, he was a womanizer, and <gasps> a patron of co-ed bathhouses. Those were super common in Siberia at the time. But apparently not so much in the part of Russia he was living in, therefore it was seen as very sinny in the eyes of the good Christians. Sinny. Sinny. Making up words now. Co-ed bath- bathhouses, um, like I said, were super common, but you know, people wanted to believe that he was sinning. Um, they also made up rumors about him. A personal favorite of mine was the one where he allegedly unzipped his pants and waved his bits in the faces of diners at a restaurant that he was at while drunk. Um, well, I mean, it would be tough to do it sober. <laughs> I, I don't know. I know some people who would probably do that sober. I, I might need a drink or two first, but... I don't think you have the right wiring to pull off what he did. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I don't think I have quite the, the dangly bit set up that he does. The report was later admitted to be false an attempt by an enemy of Rasputin's to discredit him, but it is one hell of a mental image. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to get out of my head. I, Nightmare fuel. I can very clearly picture what it looked like in my head, but in my head, Alan Rickman plays Rasputin for obvious reasons, so I feel like I'm not doing Alan Rickman's memory any favors by having that. No, that's not the last image I want in my head about. So the incessant gossiping about his evil ways continued to destroy Rasputin's reputation and led the Russian people to believe that he had too tight a grip on the Tsar and his wife. Uh, even got so out of hand that the Tsar Nicholas asked Rasputin to go back to Siberia in 1914. So he basically said, get the fuck out. The desire to distance himself from Rasputin didn't last very long, especially because this is when World War I began and the family seemed to really need him back. So at that point, the Tsar called Rasputin to come back to Russia. Unfortunately, Rasputin was a little bit laid up because of an attack from a severely deformed woman who was a follower of one of Rasputin's many rivals. She didn't have a nose. <laughs> Yeah, no, no nose, uh, although we do know more or less what caused it. It was most likely syphilis. So. I did not know syphilis. Like, I knew it made you crazy. I just didn't know that, like, it would cause your body parts to fall off. Syphilis can do a lot of damage. Uh, nowadays, we have treatment for it, so you don't see these kind of effects anymore. Uh, but in some more third world places, you still see it, and it used to be a really big cause of death back, back in the olden days. So Rasputin survived the attack from the woman, which was a stab in the stomach, uh, although just barely. He was laid up for a couple of months before he actually was able to return to Russia. He didn't have a whole lot longer to live after that point, unfortunately. Uh, People had it out for him in a real bad way. On December 16, 1917, Rasputin received an invitation to visit the home of a dude named Felix Yuzpov. I love that name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the nephew, he was the nephew-in-law of the Tsar, um, and his parents had been shunned by Alexandra for bad-mouthing Rasputin. Being a man who loved a good party, Rasputin agreed, even though I think he knew that Yespov didn't like him. Like, no one was super on the down low about not yeah. liking him. But dude, party. Can't skip out. Was Yespov the man who was rumored to be gay? Was this? Yes. Yes. Not uh, that that's really I, relevant, I, but... It actually, I think it was less of a rumor and more of just an accepted 
fact. All right. Although it's it, it is semi irrelevant, it was something that I think it, also yeah, it had further distanced him from the Tsar in his life. It had absolutely nothing to do with why he killed Rasputin. No, but it's important I think to note because that is one more thing that kind of pushes him away from the royal family. Yeah, um, Eastern Orthodox in that time period weren't exactly open. Like, they weren't even open to co-ed bathhouses. Like, I can't imagine they'd be open to... Yeah. Yeah. It's It sucks, but it was also the late 1800s, early 1900s in yeah. Russia. So, uh, what do you expect? They, they still aren't totally chill <laughs> no, with that. Not so much. He did go on to write books later in his life and basically took credit for Rasputin's death. In case you want to look more, this is not an episode about Felix Yespov. <laughs> yeah. Although maybe later we'll do one. Who knows? He could be interesting. He could. Um, Yespov and the other nobles, including a politician named Vladimir Parishkovich. Also a great name. Great name. <laughs> they served him, Rasputin being him, um, cakes and wine laced with cyanide, but those seemed to have absolutely no effect on him. So Yespov got impatient and lured our good Rasputin away from the party where he shot him twice in the chest. Yespov then went to go just generally deal with some stuff. I don't know why you would leave him unattended, but he did. I thought he was dead. I, I guess, but I feel like if you're going to put that much effort into killing the man, you stay and watch him die. Like, Well, he was on the ground unconscious. Oh, Which I think right. Yespov assumed that if you shoot someone twice in the chest, like they're dead. Especially if they fall asleep after. <laughs> so anyway, he left to deal with some stuff, and when he came back, Rasputin jumped up, I cannot make this stuff up, and tried to make a run for it. He was shot two more times by Vladimir Parishkovich, one of which was point blank in the head. Really, it's a mystery how this man died. Oh, crazy, right? <laughs> the nobles took Rasputin's body, wrapped it up in a curtain, and threw it in the frozen Malaya Nevkov River in St. Petersburg. Though not until after Yespov had a manic episode back at his place and tried to bash the already dead Rasputin's head in with a dumbbell, literally beating a dead horse. Because Rasputin was a horse. Shut up. <laughs> he, he was dead. He got shot in the head. Like, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. You don't come back from that. No. A few days later, the police found the body. It was frozen solid, obviously, and the arms had come free and were held kind of in the position you would have them in if you were making the sign of the cross, which I took to mean, like, one hand raised up towards his forehead. And that led people to believe that he hadn't died until he hit the water. Six months later, everything went to shit and the revolution was underway. And this happened to echo a so-called prophecy that Rasputin had given to Alexandra. It was a really long-as-hell letter, so I'm going to summarize, and we'll link the whole thing on the website if you guys want to read it um, in its entirety. But uh, I'm going to quote here for a second. If I am killed by common assassins, and especially by my brothers, the Russian peasants, you, the Tsar of Russia, will have nothing to fear for your children. They will reign for hundreds of years. But if I am murdered by boyars, nobles, and if they shed my blood, their hands will remain soiled with my blood for 25 years, and they will leave Russia. Brothers will kill brothers, and they will kill each other, and they will hate each other, and for 25 years there will be no peace in this country. So pretty chill letter. Uh, Loki, his 
death was politically significant, though, as it did cause a great deal of joy among the citizens of Russia who hated him for his mysterious and frankly, excessive ways. Uh, it's also said that some peasants were disappointed, though, that the novel... Nobles. Nobles. <laughs> the novels. I actually kept spelling it like when I was making notes. That the novels had lost no time in striking down a peasant who had gotten any bit of influence. So, how did Rasputin survive being poisoned and shot so many times? Was it really a bullet to the brain that killed him? Well, we're going to get into that right now. Hold on to your butts, guys. So, let's get into... Science. So, science. Uh, We're actually going to start with, instead of discussing how he survived the bullet, let's take it back a step and talk about how he survived the poisoning. Because that's what came first, That's the one that people seem to focus on the most, is that they dosed him up with cyanide and nothing happened. Exactly. So that, that was kind of a big one. So let's start there. There are a lot of ridiculous, ridiculous theories. The first and the stupidest one... Sorry to be discounting towards this one. Um, it was that he was a supernatural being who was incapable of succumbing to poison. <laughs> exactly. He was not. He was a normal, smelly, giant, junked dude. <laughs> By that, she means that his junk was giant. Not that he was giant and, like, a junkie. Keep it clear there. I actually... No, I don't think he did drugs. Whatever, so. whatever drugs they had back yeah. in imperialist Russia. But giant junk could mean two things, <laughs> so we want to be clear we're talking about his wee-wee. Oh my god! <laughs> grown-up words. We only use grown-up words on this show. Indeed, we do. So we're just going to throw out the whole supernatural being thing right away. Like, believe all you want from the cartoon, he was not actually an undead no. wizard. None of that. The first actual theory is that Yaspov didn't put enough poison in whatever he was serving. And it could be reasoned that someone with as much hatred for Rasputin would not be skimping on the poison. I wouldn't. It's plausible, it just doesn't seem likely. Number two, it was stated by Rasputin's daughter, Maria, one of the ones who lived. Yeah, obviously. I'm assuming it wasn't the ghost of his dead child. God, that would make this story even more interesting. Wouldn't it? She was living with him at the time of his death and said that her father didn't eat sweets and thus wouldn't have even touched the cakes that were being served at all. The issue with this is that Maria Rasputin generally isn't considered a credible source because she loved her father. And whenever she wrote about him or talked about him, she kind of painted him as like this picture perfect, like holy man. Mm-hmm. And we all know that wasn't exactly true. Yeah. So we have kind of a, a biased source there. Yeah, she's super, super biased. And also, we'll get into some other weird stuff about her later. Well, she was raised by a man who didn't like sweets, so obviously she's going to be a little messed up. Going back to the theory, he did like wine. Loved he his would wine. have at least drank that. Assuming. Well, yeah. Lastly, there is a, a newer science-based theory that has sprung up, and it involves the transformation of poorly stored cyanide into a harmless substance, so I'm going to let Ryan talk about that one. All right. So, basically... It's been assumed that Yespov probably stored his cyanide in damp, non-ideal conditions. Well, it was uh, winter in Russia. Exactly. So basically, cyanide is a compound. The cyanide compound that was most likely used was a potassium cyanide, and that's actually a cyanide ion, which is written as CN with a minus sign, so it's a negative ion. Uh, this is the part of cyanide that is actually toxic to the body and will kill your cells. 
However, when you store cyanide in a damp condition, there's kind of an interesting effect that happens. Atmospheric carbon dioxide will combine with the moisture in the air and it forms a weak carbonic acid within the cyanide. That acid is really weak, but it is still strong enough to react with potassium cyanide, which forms something called hydrocyanic acid, and then also a byproduct called potassium hydrogen carbonate. So I'm getting some big words out here. Hydrocyanic acid is covalently bonded and the molecule is a gas at room temperature, which means that it all would have floated up out of the cyanide. And what is left over is a white powder that would have been potassium hydro hydrogen carbonate. Uh, and that's harmless. However, it'd be visually indistinguishable from the actual potassium cyanide, so it would have left over a non-poisonous substance. But that still looked like cyanide, thus meaning that Iaspov wouldn't have known, known the, the difference. difference. I exactly. assumed he wasn't super schooled in chemistry. Not so much. Especially since this is a relatively new theory. Exactly. Um, and hasn't had a lot of research on it either. It's been, you know, it's... I think it still has some work to be done. That was a lot of really, really heavy sciencey stuff. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to simplify it any more than that. Well, I mean, to be honest, I read it several times and I didn't understand it. So. Yeah, it took me some time. <laughs> Just so you know, we're not chemists. We're not. I did take three chemistry classes in high school, but I think that... I think it's still pretty basic. Oh yeah, no, I don't know about chemistry. <laughs> There's technically a fourth theory, but I find it almost as stupid as the supernatural being one. <laughs> Maybe a little more on the plausible side, but still stupid. I'm just being super, super... We're very anti-Yespov today, it seems like. Oh, this isn't even a Yespov based one. This is... Yeah, this is just pure science. Yeah. Um... I don't want to count this one, but I'm going to give it to you guys anyway, because that's my job. Uh, there was a theory that he ingested, he being Rasputin, we're back on, on Rasputin, that he had ingested small amounts of cyanide so as to develop a resistance to it. That would have taken a lot of paranoia on his part. Like, a lot. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't have been unfounded, but I think there are other theories that we've presented that are a little more likely. I wouldn't judge you if you wanted to believe that he took the mithridatism route. Mithridatism. Mithridatism. That's a... That is a mouthful, especially when you look at the word, because we have it written down in front of us. That word is a mouthful. It means the practice of taking small amounts of poison in order to develop an immunity. So now you guys learned a new word. Yay! Congratulations. We learned a new word, too. Yeah, we clearly. learned it several weeks ago. <laughs> uh, it should be noted during the autopsy that there was no poison found in his system, which makes a really good case for him either not eating or drinking the things or the cyanide being compromised. However, we do have to take into account that the doctors performing the autopsy might have been focusing on the gunshot wounds and not looking for poison. And when the report was reviewed almost 80 years later, it was noted that Rasputin might have displayed symptoms of, and I quote, light poisoning, which could have included lightheadedness, dry throat, and a loss of some strength. So the gunshots, let's move on to those, which are a little bit more easily explained. Uh, the first shot fired by Yespov was to the chest. And sure, that's going to kill someone instantly if it hits just the right spot. Um, but someone can survive a gunshot wound to the chest for a really long time. And that's what happened. You can also, it's important to note that Yespov was flustered. And a lot of reports say that he wasn't good with the gun, period. So the odds that he was able, that he would have been able to hit the right spot in the chest to actually kill 
Rasputin on the first try was unlikely to begin with. He managed to miss anything crucial, but the stillness that he took as death was most likely just Rasputin being in shock from, you know, bullet to the chest. Um, The next shots fired by Perushkovich were a little bit more dangerous. Uh, The one that went through his back would have killed him eventually, according to the coroner who performed the autopsy. And really, the shot to the chest would have eventually also. Although neither of them would get their chance, because the third and final shot was point-blank to the head. And that is what did it, guys. The Mad Monk died from a shot to the skull. This leaves us with the rumors about him not being dead until he hit the water. The autopsy showed that there was no water in his lungs, and also that he had been shot in the head. (laughs) The argument for drowning was compelling if you wanted to believe that this guy was a demon or something, but not exactly likely. Not that that logic has stopped people in the past, I'm just saying that the medical professionals confirmed that it was in fact a bullet to the head that killed him. So how did his arms get free, you may ask? Well, it's possible that he wasn't tied up as tightly as Yespoff and company seem to think that he was. These guys were really bad at murdering people. Apparently, they didn't really seem to think this through. It was a whole night's worth of thing. It should have been like 15 minutes. Less than that. One gunshot to the head should have... I mean, it did kill the man, Well, if but... he hadn't screwed the cyanide up, there wouldn't have been any blood. It would have just been over, like been clean. Anyway, uh, they didn't tie him up very well. There's also the possibility that the cold water of the frozen wi- wiver? <laughs> well, I was about to say wizard <laughs> of the frozen river might have caused his muscles to contract post-mortem. Actually, it's not completely unheard of for muscles to contract after death, regardless of what temperature the water or the outside air is. That's just something that happens when you die. Exactly. Um, And the cold doesn't help, obviously. That's only going to make it worse. Yeah. This is probably a good time to bring up the rumor that at some point between Rasputin getting shot the first time and his body getting over the railing, that someone cut off his Johnson (laughs) and uh, kept it. Yep. You heard that right, ladies and gentlemen. Could not make this crap up, even if we wanted to. <laughs> I don't think we would want to. Is... No, that's the thing. Um, I could have gone my entire life without knowing this, but now that I do know what I'm about to talk about, I feel like I have to share it with everyone so they're in the same amount of pain that I am. <laughs> well, please share. Uh, Rasputin was rumored to have a very large thing. <laughs> And it's been said that it got taken off during the attack and had by a maid or that a lady friend of Rasputin's kept it. That is, I guess, the perfect keepsake. It doesn't really your... fit in a locket very well. <laughs> Maybe just a picture of him. I thought you were going to say a picture of it. <laughs> and I was going to say, you know, early... Turn of the century pics. Yeah, yeah. That's some good stuff right there. Actually, I think they would be more formal about it, so it'd be like a Richard photograph or something. Yeah, yeah. They would call it something. (laughs) We should just start calling them Richards. (sighs) Richards. Sounds more formal, like it should be wearing a top hat. Yeah, exactly. My grandma listens to this podcast. I'm sorry, Mom. (sighs) Sorry, Grandma. Sorry, everybody. It's You all are listening to this, and you're all probably in pain right now. Anyway, so these bits bit. It's one piece. It, it wasn't in multiple pieces. A bit. Serviced sometime later in France, where a group of women were worshipping it as some kind of fertility charm. Rasputin's daughter, Maria, we talked about her before. Yes. Caught wind of this and demanded that it re- be returned to her, because that is exactly what you do when you hear someone has your dead father's dismembered Johnson. Clearly. Yeah, I want that back. <laughs> it turns out it was just a, it was just a dried sea cucumber 
So that's a little anticlimactic, and it should be the death of that rumor, but no. No, no, no. I feel bad for anyone who is listening to pod to this podcast and has never seen a Johnson before, because now you guys are all going to think that they actually do look like sea cucumbers, because if you can mix the two up, I've never thought, like, that's a sea cucumber for sure. What kind of audience do we have where they haven't... I don't know. My sister might listen to this, and I would like to think that she has never seen a Johnson. She's seen a movie, like... Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. You know what? I am allowed to think that my sister okay, is no, an innocent okay. little You're princess. Wrong, but... Shut up. <laughs> I am not. My sister has never seen a Johnson. Or a, a William. <laughs> or a Richard. Old man names. These all have old man names. I feel like that is very telling. What are you going to call it? Like a... Want to see my Carson? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> is this my Dylan? <laughs> Want to meet little Chad? Gross. <laughs> Another Rasputin penis showed up in the hands of a Russian doctor who opened an erotica museum. The penis has not been tested yet. Uh, it is 11 inches long, but Maria, and again, weird, says that her father's was 13 inches long because that is a completely normal thing to know. Some experts think that the thingy on display is the uh, ostracized organ of a horse or a bovine animal. Gross. Ugh. I really don't, but also kind of do want to know how the hell she knew that he had a 13-inch dong. Like, uh, and also, like, I don't know how this works, but measurements, like, I feel like they're usually taken non-flaccid, so... I don't want to... Actually, I, I just decided I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm not going to post a picture on the website because I don't want to have to Google it again. But it is Googleable. It is. Fair it's, warning. It's in a jar filled with some green liquid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If anyone who I would like to respect me is listening to this, just know... That I don't like the fact that I googled that any more than you do. <laughs> In the end, Rasputin was not nearly as dangerous to the Russian Empire as people seem to think he was. Um, he was manipulative and definitely kind of a lush. But I mean, really, who isn't these days? That being said, though, the vast majority of Russia was overjoyed to see him dead. So overjoyed, in fact, that just a few short months later, the Bolshevik Revolution began and the imperial family, plus a number of other nobles, were condemned to death. Uh, if you have... Can I address something before? Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to do an episode on the death of the Romanov family. It's not an unsolved mystery anymore. Did they figure it out? They did. They found the youngest son, Alexei, mm -hmm. and Anastasia's remains. They think. Like, they're pretty sure. So... It's not a mystery anymore. Anastasia did not live. All of them died. Well, I'll poop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish we could go back to 1998 when this was still an issue that we could debate in song. In song. But yeah, I, I just wanted to address that. Yeah. Because I know that's like even more than people care about Rasputin. They care about the missing Romanov princess. And she's not missing. Yeah. She got shot just like everybody else. Well, dang. Well, that leaves it perfect for us to ask for your reactions. And how do you guys feel about that? Because that makes me a little sad. 
Also, if you guys have any other theories about how Rasputin might have survived, uh, if you know where his penis is, let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Afternoonified or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GetAfternoonified. There's also our website, www.GetAfternoonified.com, where you can find some of the extra info we mentioned as well as send us an email. Um, Remember to subscribe if you're listening on iTunes. Maybe leave us a rating. I assume you're listening to us on iTunes, but we are also on Stitcher and a bunch of other streaming services. You can find us anywhere. Listen to us. Basically, um, we do love getting feedback and ratings are the best. And donations. Yes. um, I would like to thank our first donor. Um, I'm not going to name names. That feels weird. It does. But we got a donation and it's not our mom's. And we are extremely happy. It's not our grandma's either, so... It's someone we don't know. <laughs> so we're going to be sending you a postcard if you are the mystery donor listening to yes. this. Yes. If you donate, we will send you treats. Yes. You will get a surprise treat if you donate to us, so give us money. So yeah, we hope you had fun. And that's no Bolshevik. We've killed the joke. We've I think we're it. done with that. It is deader than Rasputin floating in the river. It's the deadest. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> uh, uh, uh.